Amen, amen. Good morning. Wasn't it wonderful to see some youth up there making some announcements? Man, and I don't know who that is. He's one good-looking kid, though, and uh, he must have got his looks from his daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Totally joking. Amen. And I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Pastor Nathan and the team that went over to Honduras are getting ready to come home. Amen. Woo. Man, I cannot wait. I've gotten bits and pieces. I know some of you have uh, received some, some pictures and reports of, of the miracles, signs, wonders, healings, salvations, etc., etc. What God has been doing in and through them over in Honduras. And as I get on the plane this morning, uh, I just sent a little reminder and praying for Pastor Nathan and the team and said, just remember... You're coming home today, but it's not over. And that you can witness to everybody you eat breakfast with, everybody you're at the hotel, you know, leaving the hotel with, at the airport, getting on the plane, coming home, that everywhere you stop to get gas, there's ministry opportunities. And I know Pastor Nathan is just, just watching what God is doing through the team that he was able to take. And it was awesome. Before they left with Pastor Nathan, saying that, man, I got this person in charge of this, this person in charge of this, this person. He empowered them to take uh, ownership, if you will, of different parts of the, the ministry the, that they was doing there and to watch them grow in that. Pastor Nathan says, this is the first trip I'll be able just to sit back and, and watch the team do it, you know, with some guidance and instruction and pastorship, you know, but uh, uh, it was really great to see and we're going to hear some great things that uh, is just part of Thrive Becoming Five, starting the year off of the year of grace, because five is the number of grace. And so uh, as we continue to, to grow, set new records with, with attendance and tithing and giving and missionary work and miracles and salvations, as God just brings, as it says, adds to the church. I mean, he does all that. And if we really start thinking about it, when we go back, look at the 66 books of the Bible that, that we know is God-breathed, inspired, and the perfect word of God, then we can't see nothing else in there except man, his miracles, that we get to be a part of that. What, a, what an honor and a, and a privilege that we are con- called sons and daughters of God, and he just bestows his love and his grace upon that. As we approach into this season I really hope that we get that. Pastor Nathan is going to spend the next uh, <laughs> several weeks, starting today, I'm Pastor Nathan, <laughs> right, is he's going to just take each day of the, what we call the, the walk to Emmaus, the, the passion week, right, the, the week leading up to the crucifixion, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is going to take from now until Easter, and then, of course, you know, on Resurrection Sunday, talking about this one week. And you think, wow, we're going to spend a lot of time on just one week. Why, 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 are, we going to, why are we going to do that? Well, there's several reasons that, that, that we could go into and, and talk about, but let's just break it down, you know, a little bit. This week that we call Passion Week, and if you ever saw, um, I think it was called uh, The Passion, 
the Passion of the Christ? Remember when that first came out? It seems like yesterday, and yet it was 20 years ago. I mean, it was a long time ago. And I can remember it so vividly that uh, my oldest son, who's 25, Chance, said, I want to go to watch The Passion. And I was like, are you sure? He was eight years old. And I was like, I think he was eight. I said, are you sure? Because I'd heard things. I hadn't seen it yet. And, but everybody was talking about it. And, and the critics, I was listening to the critics. I said, are you sure? And he said, yeah. So we go to the movie. And, and this movie theater we went to was built inside a mall. We walk into the mall. And there's lights flashing everywhere like normal. And normally crowds are bustling. It's a noisy place, right? But this time, we walk in. And, and it was like he was going to a funeral. I mean, it just, you walked in and walked into the theater and some people were standing out the concession stands and you, they were just looking at the people that were leaving the theater. And there were lots of movies showing, right? I think it had 14, 15 screens, but uh, The Passion was showing on one. The Passion of the Christ was showing on one. And everybody leaving that, they, the presence that they came out with just made everybody else that was watching all these other movies, getting ready to go in and watch all these other movies, and getting out, they just stood in awe and amazement. And they just watched, and everybody came out, and they were just, you know, crying and everything else. And, and I'm looking at my son. I said, you sure you want to sure see this? And he says, yeah. And, of course, we went in there and, and saw it, and... You know, seeing something on screen that you've read about, studied about, believe, it just kind of has a different impression on you. And you're sitting there watching it, and there's times where you do, you know, you just kind of get choked up and, and you know, start crying. And, and after the movie, there was a few people that said, I feel so bad. I feel so bad that, that he had to do that for me. Right? And they were like, I feel so bad and you're crying that it was because of me. He went to the cross. And yes, that, that's all true. But really what I want to understand is as we start off this study of this, this passion week is he loved you so much. He loved you so much. He willingly, joyfully went through what he went through for you because he loved you. He knew what you were going to do before you even do it. He knew the effect that sin was going to have on our lives, on this, you know, every generation, you know, since Adam and Eve, every generation, the, the effect sin was going to have and that what it was going to do to this world that he created so beautiful and everything for us to dwell in that was all signs and so beautiful that when we see it, it causes us to worship him, to seek him and think, man, this is so beautiful. Who created it? Oh, the creator, the one true living God. So if he knew your sins before you even committed them, before you even thought about them, before you was even formed and born, don't look at it as a sad moment. Look at it and really worship him with everything you have because he loved you. And so as we started off, you know, Sunday, which we're going to talk about, you know, today, the triumphal entry. Some call it Palm 
Sunday. And, and I love Palm Sunday because my favorite tree is the palm tree. It's really not classified as a tree, but we call it a palm tree, right? We, I just love it. It has so many forms, and it's so beautiful. And I go to Florida every single year just to see those palm trees and to fish and do other things, right? But, but the palm, they're so beautiful. Just so, every time I see one, when I drive by, it just takes me straight to Scripture. We'll talk more about that. And then Monday is when Jesus, after he came through on Palm Sunday, triumphal entry the next day, he cleared the temple. On Tuesday, we're just, if you're taking notes, we'll have a book for you next week, you might, that you'll be able to see this and start putting it all together, and you'll see why we're going to spend so many Sundays talking about one week. On Tuesday, Jesus was teaching at the Mount of Olives. On Wednesday, Jesus rested. And it, it is a great thing. I can't wait to hear Pastor break this down about when Jesus rested, what was going on while Jesus was resting. On Thursday, he had the Last Supper with his disciples. On Friday, oh, that's good, good Friday. The crucifixion. On Saturday, Jesus in the grave. <laughs> and then Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. It's probably the one Sunday, and I hope that starting today and as we go through the rest of the messages, that, that we can kind of reverse this. But it's the one Sunday that everybody comes. Right? Everybody comes to, to church expecting to celebrate the resurrection. It's almost like, but even more, it's almost like when we come together on Christmas, that everybody comes just, ooh, we're going to, it's Jesus' birth, we're going to celebrate, it's a party, right? We have that in mind. But, but Resurrection Sunday, it's when the church comes together and we walk in just expecting to celebrate the victory in which the cross gave us. The price that was paid for us. The victory that was given for us to walk in that power. That resurrection power for us to, to dwell within us. To empower us to overcome sin. To overcome death. To overcome the things of this world. And give us a hope that was beyond all hope. That we just come together and we celebrate that. Let's do that every Sunday. Not just every Sunday. On Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday. When we can take that and live in that victory every single day. And I don't want to hear, okay? Because I hear this all the time. And I hate my job. Well, do it as unto the Lord. And I'm so busy. Well, do it as unto the Lord. And watch your busyness start turning into a celebration that you actually start enjoying. It's not the job that either brings or don't bring happiness. It's not your job that brings or don't bring prosperity, that brings or bring, not bring provision. It's not your job. Scripture says it's he who empowers us to gain wealth. It's he that gives us protection. It's he that gives us our health. It's he that gives us life and life more abundantly. It's he that shows us, makes us become the light to shine this. I better get to my sermon. Okay. It's him. And when we know that, when we know that, we enjoy life. 
Because we're walking in a victory in which he gave us. Why? Because he first loved us. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them the, the Gospels. 89 chapters. And out of these 89 chapters, the first 30 years of Jesus' life is discussed. Now think about this. The first 30 years of Jesus' life is only discussed, wrote about, taught about in four of those chapters. 30 years in four chapters. The last three and a half years of Jesus' life, it takes 85 chapters, 85 chapters to discuss the last three and a half years of his life. Now, so see, now we're, we're thinking, now we can, now we know why we're going to take seven weeks to discuss these 85 chapters, the three and a half years, and then specifically the last seven days of his life. The last week alone of Jesus' life was shared in 29 of those chapters. To see that, that passion that he has for us. That passion, that love. And you know what? I hope as we go through this that, that you, when you hear the word passion and love, you can start really putting that in context. You know, I love tacos. <laughs> I love <laughs> southern blackberry Cobbler, bluebell, ice cream. Oh. And you think I'm joking. I still have one in my freezer, and they only make that for four weeks of the year. So during that four weeks, if you're following me, you ain't getting any. Because I buy, I, I buy up. I will move stuff out of my freezer, say, we need to eat this so I can make room for my ice cream. I love tacos. I love ice cream. Come on. But it pales in comparison to the love that I have for my wife. And the love that I have for my wife pales in comparison to the love that I have for Jesus. And I know that is the only thing that makes me attractive to her. Because you can tell I definitely married up. Okay? So thank God for Jesus. <laughs> right? Amen. That, that we can get to where we're like that. Have a passion and a love for Jesus. Jesus, knowing that it pales in comparison to how much he loves us. The third of the Gospels alone talk about the last week of Jesus' life. Half of the John of Gospel of John's gospel, talks about these seven days. John 3.16 starts to explain this love for us. And I guarantee you got it memorized. You've seen it on Tim Tebow's cheeks. Even non-believers heard or know this verse. For God so loved the world 
We can read that, just skip over it, because we've said it so many times, we've heard it every time. And if you go back and watch every sermon that I preached in the sporadic time, I just, God is like, I'm like, God, I love you. I get to use this verse every single time. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever, and that's you, believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, to have eternal life. Romans 5, 8. Love the book of Romans. You know, these big universities like Princeton and Yale, and you know, they used to be for pastors only. Harvard, pastors only. They were like seminaries that we call seminaries today. But they were started, and this is crazy to think about, as liberal as they are today. But they were started out as Christian pastor training universities. Now we see, just look at them as, oh, higher level of expensive education. Well, all these big, great universities studied the scriptures and said, Romans is the most fantastic book just ever written, that it baffles the, the English scholars, okay, those who, who know how to write books and, and so eloquently speak and, and just go through and do all the spell check. And they said, this, this letter is put together so perfectly. Unlike my sermons. <laughs> it drives them crazy, right? Put together so perfect that it says this. But God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I know the staff here and people I'm around on a daily basis, you know, they hear me say, man, I love you. I love people. And sometimes I love people and they don't even like me. <laughs> right? I just love, God put it, I just, I just love people. I like to, to love on people and tell them, tell them about Jesus. But as much as I love you, I don't know. If I could take my son and sacrifice him just so we could have a relationship. That's how much God loves you. And I hope we can get that. Because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've experienced it. But to let that fullness just, just go from here to here, it'll, it'll change every aspect of your life. And it'll come out in the form of worship. It'll, it'll come out, the, the response to his love deserves it almost demands from us when we under, understand that. A worshipful response. There's an old hymn by Isaac Watts. You ready? <clears throat> okay, I won't sing it. It says, when I survey the wondrous 
cross on which the prince of glory died. It's a love so amazing and so divine. It demands my soul. It demands my life, my all. And he understood as much as it's humanly possible the love of Christ that he wrote these words the 17th century. Luke chapter 19, we'll start reading about Palm Sunday, Triumphant Sunday. As he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives. Now, if, I should have sent a map and I didn't because I, I loved it when, when Bruce and Dale shared last week and they put the map up and really explained you know, where they was at in Burma. Wasn't that awesome? If you didn't get to see that, watch it again and, and see, because you're all part of that. You're all part of the, you know, praying for them, helping to, to sponsor them, to send them over to Burma. I mean, they take six months a year off of their work and their life to go and, and go to this, this, these villages and just be the hands and feet of, of Jesus. Right? So, sidetrack, rabbit. Watch it again. It's great, great people. Uh, two miles outside of Jerusalem. Two miles is all. And most of the scripture is in a close vicinity. Anyway, all right? But two miles is out. So here, here he is outside the city. Two miles. And he begins his journey into Jerusalem. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village of Hedeu, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Now, I love this story, right? We've read it a thousand times, but have you ever thought when Jesus said, hey, you two, come here. Go into the city, and you will find a donkey. Where's it at? <laughs> right? Are you sure it's going to be there? Right? When you find the donkey, you'll find it tied up. And not only will it be, a, be tied up, no one has ever ridden it. <laughs> Jesus wasn't there two miles away. If he knew where the donkey was tied up. And he knew so much about the donkey that he knew that it was never ridden. And he knew that they were going to be asked, what are you doing to my donkey? <laughs> Don't you think that he knows every single detail yes, about your life? Every single detail, even the stuff you do in the dark, even the stuff you don't tell anybody about, even the stuff you think that you're keeping a secret, he knows every single detail. He knows it all. I mean, he knew about the donkey. I love it. 
If anyone asks you, why are you untying my donkey? Little Shrek right there. You got it. <laughs> Just tell them the Lord needs it. Okay. <laughs> the power of speaking what the Lord tells you to speak. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked, why are you untying my donkey? What would your response be? Get your hands off my donkey. Some versions have the other word. Okay? <laughs> I had to switch versions because when I read all that, right? Because because we have taken a name for a donkey that was its original name and turned it into a curse word. And most curse words, when you look up their history, and, and I know you're like, what? Look them up. And, and find out how little you know about words that you might use way too much. Just throwing that out there. Verse 34. They replied, the Lord needs it. What are they doing out there, honey? Oh, they're just taking our donkey. Why? Lord needs it. <laughs> if you're not seeing the miracles that are going on in, in, in this. Verse 35. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And he began his triumphal triumphant entry in and as they go in the disciples in the crowds of some estimates of a million plus people because everybody from all over the world all the Jewish nation all the surrounding area was coming in to celebrate the the feast of the Passover to celebrate the Passover they were they were coming in to go to the temple and so there was there was a population boom and here comes the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords that was prophesied some 400 years ago who fulfilled over 300 prophecies from his birth to his death. And that's how you can know that, that the Word of God is so perfect because if you was going to write a story, you might put one or two things in there that could be proved right to try to show the accuracy of it. But 300 prophecies about one man's life and the effect that he would have on the world and every single one of them scientifically historically accurate and proven without a shadow of the doubt <laughs> let's go to Zechariah 9 9 400 years Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, going in to Jerusalem and the city and everybody, the population that was there was rejoicing and shouting. See, your king 
comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Luke 19, we'll go back. Verse 36. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, and I love this. Even in, in its wording, it's drawing a picture. Everywhere you'll say, when the disciples or anybody's talking, they'll say, hey, let us go up to Jerusalem. Whether they're from the north or the south, the east or the west, they always say, let us go up to Jerusalem. And you can see this from, from being on the Mount of Olives, that, that when you're up there and you go down into the Garden of Gethsemane, and then you come up into Jerusalem. Where or where does my help come from? Look up. For your redemption draws near. The crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord as they took the palm branches and they waved them. And what is, if you really study, the, the, you know, Jesus was coming in and they would wave it just like what they do for a king. But then they would go like this and then they would turn and go like this and they would go like this and then they'd go like this. And you think, why? Because the people in the back needed a fan. No, I'm joking. Okay, they, given the king's welcome, a victorious that they gave when the armies were returned from fighting a battle, they were celebrating the king and waving it towards him was, was celebrating that fact. And then they would turn and they would wave it saying, your victory, your kingdom is not just here. It's going to expand from here to the rest of the world, from here to the rest of the world, from here to the rest of of the world. Your kingdom is going to be established. Your victory is going not just here. It's going to go out to the other parts of the world. Listen, if you're saved and you're here, take the victory that you know about here and take it out to the rest of the world. But it's going to be hard to do Right? I'm not excited because I'm preaching. I'm not excited because I'm called to be a pastor. I'm not excited <laughs> because of the job. I'm excited because Jesus loves me. Amen. <laughs> and I don't deserve it. And he would say, yes, that's why I died for you. I so loved you. I don't deserve that love. And if he'd say, listen, I know. You could never do any work for me to be pleased with you. But I've loved you so much that I've wanted you from the get-go. And if we can leave with that excitement and take it to the rest of the world. Hmm. Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest. Verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Oh, we got those today. Now I want you to really look at something. When we, as we go into this worship, 
This is brought out a lot. It says a Pharisee, a teacher of the law. Okay? That if we were all Pharisees today, we would have Genesis to Revelation memorized word for word. Pharisees normally became Pharisees because they were first scribes. That they took letters from Moses, okay, all what we would call the Old Testament writers, and they would write them down word for word. And if they accidentally wrote a, a wrong letter or put a dot or a tittle somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be, they would take it, crumble up, tear it up, burn it, do sacrifices, cleanse themselves, repent, and go back and start doing it again. But they copied the, the scriptures so much, they copied it and read it so much that it, they memorized it. Well, that made their head do this. So they became Pharisees, teachers of the law. And so they're standing there on their robes, right? And the people are, are praising Jesus as he came in. And, and the Pharisee tells them, hey, tell your disciples to stop leading these people in their praise for Jesus. And you think, wow, why would they do that? Listen, listen. For all aspects, a lot of the church listens to that Pharisee right there. And I'm not, don't take it personal. As we show up on Sunday, or we're at the bar on Tuesday for country night, Wednesday for college night, Thursday just cause. Friday because it's Friday. Saturday. Or at the fall, every fall here in Texas, you see fanatics. It's football season, man. Right? They're wearing their jerseys, whether it's, whether it's high school football. I love high school football. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you show up on Friday nights, both teams show up, and you got the parents who are so proud of their kids. I can't wait to see their kids. They're dressed in their, their school colors, and they're, they're exciting. They get to eat some nachos, right? And they get to listen to the band play, and, and it's a celebration, and they're, they're chanting victory, victory, right? And, <clears throat> and, you know, the cheerleaders you know, just doing all their stuff, right? And leading everybody in cheers and they make a good play and you're like, yeah! And there's a black play like, oh man, I can't. Come on, we can get it back. We can do it. We can do it. Look, I wonder if the church took that Friday night excitement, made it Sunday excitement and took it out to their workplace excitement that they would call you a fanatic instead of a Friday night football fan. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Man, the stones. I don't want no stones. <laughs> the stones. <laughs> There's a competition and you don't even know that you're being fought over. There's a battle for your worship. Jesus says, man, I want you to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I want you to love me. And the world is saying, don't. I know you're saved, but don't. 
I know you've already accepted Jesus and you're saved, but I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to walk in that victory. I don't want you to walk in that happiness. I don't want you to show it. Don't smile. Don't act like Christianity is fun. Because if it's fun, if it's exciting, and you tell everybody about it, right, that they see that you are a cheerleader, right, that they see that you are backing, don't. Because that's what Satan wants you to do. There's this battle going on in your head, in your life, that is telling you, live the life, not the dream. Suffer through when the victory's already been won. Amen. Most of the struggles that you're going through is because your worship You're failing to worship. Worship is a response of what already is going on in your heart. And listen, you didn't have to be as exuberant as what I might be. Because I know people that's even bigger. But people should be able to tell. We all worship something. Worship is our response to what we say values most. Whatever I worship becomes an obsession. Whatever I become obsessed with, I imitate. Whatever I imitate, I become. If you didn't write it down, it's not in a book. Go back, write it down. And I just want you to take your life and compare it to that. What am I worshiping? What am I obsessed with? What am I imitating? Because that is the result of what I become. And even Christians, it could be that way. It's not who you are, because if you're saved, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But you're acting totally different. What's influencing you? Do you know more lines of movies than you do scripture? Just throwing it out. You know more worldly songs than you do Christian songs? Just throwing it out. I'm amazed that I, I haven't listened to secular music for over 20 years. But man, I can go into the gym, be totally distracted, dim the conversation, and something will come on, and I'll sing that song. I'm like, man, I know that word, word. I know that song, word for word. And I haven't sang it or listened to it for 20 years. Jack Hayford says this Worship changes the worshiper into the image of the one worshiped. So see, secular music, and I'm not taking a stab at it, because there's some good secular songs. And what I mean by that is, we listened to one last night, and I almost teared up as my wife played it on the phone. We were sitting next to my son and his girlfriend, and, 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 our, and both of our sons, and Samuel's girlfriend. And I thought someone else sung the song. I didn't even know. And he was it Jack Ryan? All right. 
I'm sorry. Tracy Berg. See, I don't even know the names. I don't even know. Guys, that Jack Ryan a movie? Must saw a commercial. Anyway. Okay. It was no accident. Me finding you. Someone had a hand in it. Long before I ever knew. I thank God, the keeper of the stars, that brought us together. I got to hurry. <laughs> Music's playing, and I still got three points. Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law came to him, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. <laughs> he asked them of all the commandments, which is important, which is most important. Jesus said, the most important one. Answer Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O thrive. The Lord God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Worship. In Greek, proskuneo. It means the kiss of the hand, to kiss the hand. And if you go on and read all the, de the definitions, you think, what exactly is that? Any people here own dogs? Any, any dog lovers in here? Right? Okay, I'm going to tell you why you should be a dog. Right? I'm not talking about cats. We come home, I pull up, and I... I hear this, and I can look over at the fence, and both of our dogs are looking out. And when they see it's us, they and they run to the back door, right? And as I'm coming in the front door, I can hear this of the tails, right? They're so excited, right? Just so excited, right? And you open up, the dogs come in, and it's like, so good to see you. I just left. I had to turn around and come back and get, right? So excited to see you. I love you so much, right? And if you go down there, that's what this word means. Worship. Thank you, Jesus. Point one, God wants us to worship him with our affections. In Psalms 150, 150 verses in Psalms tells us how to praise. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him. Praise him. Praise in the Hebrew translated into the Greek. <laughs> and I know Nate will love this because he uses his verse we call it praise it's hallelujah it's where we get the, the word hallelujah from and the definition of it means to celebrate to rave to boast <laughs> and to be clamorously upright foolish right Praise him with everything you got like David did. 
No one got arrested back then. You get arrested today, so keep your clothes on. But worship, praise with everything you got, right? Build up the big stereo system in your car, right? And pull up and roll down your windows and turn it up, right? Right? And let them hear. There's power in the blood. Whatever song you listen to, okay? Let them hear it. <laughs> I'm going to skip. In North Carolina, there's an Air Force base. And if you've ever been on the interstate and went by there, and there's houses and neighborhoods all around, and when they first built it, there was complaints and everything else because they have these big fighter, supersonic flying, you know, jets there. And if you've ever been around and heard them take off, man, right? And so the people who live there would hear this. They'd hear them take off and it just rumbled, you know, your house. If you're driving your car and it flies over you as it's taken off, you just, right? You feel it, right? And so people were complaining at first and all this other kind of stuff. So they put up this huge billboard right outside the base, and, you know, as, as you're coming in and it would say, excuse, well, it said, pardon, pardon the noise. This is the sound of freedom, right? And so they hear that every time, right? The jets going out and they're coming back in and they're thinking, whoa, and it changes the perspective. This is the sound of freedom. Our praise, our worship, our music is the sound of freedom. It's what gives us, not gives us victory, we already received the victory, but we celebrate because we walk in that victory. All two people. Okay, listen, point number two, God wants us to worship him with our attention. Whatever has our attention has our worship. Romans 12, 2 in the message. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Point three. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, means continually, without pause, at all times. Every second you're awake. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise the fruit of your lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. Sentence diagramming. I hated it in college, but you do. It goes back to what? The fruit of your lips. The praise of his name. What and who you are worshiping. Share that with others. With such sacrifice... God is pleased. Everybody, please stand. Let's get back to a heart of worship. In the fact that we can we can celebrate today that our pastor and his wife and kids and all those who went with him, Pastor Dan. Pastor Pete, are returning safely with testimonies of what God has done in them 
and through them. And you think, why did they fly thousands of miles away and go to villages no one ever goes to, to orphans, to widows, to the poor? Why would they go all the way over there to do that? Because there's someone over there today that now has a home in glory land that outshines the sun, who has received salvation, who has received healing, and has received the hope that comes with only the salvation of Jesus Christ. Worship him today.